0: Welcome to the Dead 3 Coaching Podcast. I am your host, George Evian, and it is Tuesday morning. I hope your week is off to a great start. Appreciate all those that continue to support our podcast. Reach out to me, uh, get a conversation going with me. It's really been great starting this podcast. We're on episode 11. We've been going for about a month or so. We started the new year with a new podcast. Uh, If you're interested in our old podcast and a number of guests that we had on, just uh, go to Spotify. Go to Out from the Cube. You'll find about 162 episodes with a number of guests that we had on. And we're just started something new at the start of the new year. Really excited about this and seeing how we can build it up. Um, and I really don't know which direction we're going to go with this episode. I have some notes here that I'm um, going to be going through, but I want to start with something that is going to be similar to a conversation, very similar to a, a conversation that we had a few weeks ago. Um, if you'll remember. Uh, it was uh, my episode with Justin Shy a few weeks ago uh, Justin and I ended up talking about the Cincinnati Bengals and the Kansas City Chief uh, AFC championship game Uh, winner goes to the Super Bowl and uh, go back and listen to that episode one it's a great episode with Justin two we do talk about this in particular but it was this player makes a mistake at the end of a game and because of that You could make an argument it cost them a chance to go to the Super Bowl. So 53 players and an entire organization and a rabid fan base got shut out of going to the Super Bowl. You know, I wouldn't say because of one play. Um, But the story is, is that in the locker room, in the locker room, that person was getting, you know, surrounded by reporters and people looking for sound bites and an explanation and all that. And he did not stand there alone. A teammate stood with him, and the teammate looked pissed off about the line of questioning, or that he was going to get thrown under the bus, or that it was all his fault and he was to blame, and all that. And this player wasn't having it. So Justin and I had this conversation about being a good teammate, being good in the locker room, being uh, you know there to support your teammates, and and again, very sports centered podcast, a, a sport oriented podcast, but it, it all. Pivots and relates to how your organizations are, how your teams are, the culture of your teams um, professionally that have nothing to do with sports, right? I just like taking the sports story and thinking about leadership and team dynamics and motivation and things of that nature and really seeing what you can do. And there's um, it just even as I'm saying this, I know exactly where this podcast is going to go. So I want to hit on this real quick. Something else happened. It, actually, I saw this yesterday or the day before. And um Justin, Justin Shy who was our guest on episode um 9 I believe. Um ended up sending me this tweet and I had just watched it, you know, maybe 6 hours earlier. And it was this young athlete. These are these are, you know, in my eyes they're kids at the university uh, at Purdue University. Number 1 team in the nation. Purdue. Number 1 in the nation and they're killing it. You know, I don't know, maybe two to three losses on the year have been ranked number one for a while. They're on the road playing at Indiana. And three people are on stage. You know, these are young athletes. These are kids in a media room, number one team in the nation and everything that goes along with that and the, the eyes and the media and uh, the recognition and uh, everything that you have to do, right? Uh, that, you know, on that stage, you're on a different stage. And anyway, so the the clip goes with reporters asking the point guard about mistakes he made down the stretch and asking about a turnover that he made with the game on the line. Maybe it was a minute. Maybe it was two minutes. Maybe it was under 30 seconds. I don't know. I did watch a majority of that game, did not watch the end of the game. And so something happened. The point guard turned it over and all that. So he has to answer to that. There's a media room of you know, national reporters, number one team in the nation. And and this young athlete is having to answer those questions. And when he's done answering, he leans back. And all you see is a hand grab the microphone. And he, and, and the, it is their best player grabs the microphone. And so you see this hand grab the microphone, the video camera pans over. He sets the microphone down and it is, I believe his name is Zach Eady, E-D-Y, something like that, right? And he sits there, and and he's their best player. He's a first team All American. He is Player of the Year in the league. He is a NBA draft pick. He is seven foot four and really skilled and really good and will be in the league and will receive be receiving a paycheck to play the game of basketball. And he's the reason why they're number one in the nation because he's that good. So he grabs the mic, puts it down in front of him, and he says, "This is essentially what he says, not verbatim." But that one play isn't what cost us the game. It was an important moment in the game, but it's not what cost us this game. It is not why we lost. I turned the ball over a number of times in the first quarter. Those were important possessions, and I turned it over. I didn't bring enough energy or juice to start the game. I wasn't focused enough. I didn't play hard enough. I didn't rebound well enough. So if you're going to write anything, I didn't do my job. And it's not on him. We didn't do a good job. And I'm watching that going, that's all I need to know about Purdue basketball. And that's all I need to know about that kid. So what's the lesson here? What is the professional lesson? It's the same thing as the Cincinnati Bengals. It's you don't stand, when things are bad, you don't stand alone. When you make mistakes that may cost your team a Super Bowl or you're ranking at number one in the nation, you don't stand alone. Your teammates have to be there with you. They have to be supporting you. They have to make sure they take the blame as well and the criticism that goes along with that. It also speaks to me about what a best player looks like. Like, that's all you need to know about that kid. That you have that type of team to where, how easy would it be to say, hey, I didn't get the ball enough. He turned the ball over. I'm glad you're asking about it. Like, what is he, what is the narrative that guy is saying in his head as these questions are going on? He could, you could be that guy, that player, that teammate, that executive, that director of management, whatever it is, that sales lead sitting there saying, yep, Absolutely. That kid blew it. Absolutely. He or she blew it. He's he or she's the reason we don't have Steph Curry. And I've talked about that in some episodes, as opposed to the narrative of I could have done more as opposed to the narrative of that's my teammate. That's my buddy. That's who I've suffered with. That's who I've worked with. That's who I've gotten up with at six in the morning and been in the gym with and in the weight room and on calls with and sales calls and sales meetings and conventions and traveling. And I know the investment that person has. And I know how bad they want it. And I know what it means to them. And so I'm going to defend them and be there for them. So you have the best player, your best sales, sales, man, sales woman, best whatever, best developer, best engineer, all that. And things, and that person sits there and says, the reason we had a recall on this software, the reason we had a bug in the software, the reason Steph Curry's not a client, the reason that we didn't get that sale, the reason why we didn't sell all these cars, I didn't do a good enough job. I didn't bring the juice. I missed some sales. I didn't call. Uh, at all time, when I needed to. I didn't close the deal. I didn't walk this person through. I didn't mentor that person well enough. I could have done this to really support them, and I didn't, and that's on me. So you, you owning it, your best player owning it. But then it's also the conversation of how does it make that person, that messed up, feel? Are they sitting there saying, Shit, I'm on, this is from my last episode. I'm on the diving board by myself and there's nobody there to celebrate with me. So if this gets jacked up, I'm fearful. I messed up. Now I'm taking the blame and the bullets and the criticism and the ridicule. And there's nobody there in the pool with me. They like, the whole, the whole country club is empty. And I'm drowning. And everybody deserted me. And I don't want any part of this. I'll take the bullets. I'll take the criticism. But I'm out. I'm tapping out. I'm gone. I don't want to be a part of an environment or a culture where this would happen to me or to anyone on mistakes, on losses, on ridicule, criticism, and getting after people. As opposed to, Man, our best player just did this for me. I'm standing up in a locker room and just cost an entire fan base the opportunity to go to the Super Bowl again. And I've got one guy standing with me. And I've got people in the media room defending me. And I'm in tears. I'm a grown man and I'm in tears because of what it did to the team, the organization, the fan base. But there's no other place I want to be. There's no other program I want to be a part of. There's no other sales team that I want to be a part of than here because of how I was supported when I was at my worst or down in the valley by myself. Nobody left me, and the best players supported me. So right when that's over and Zach Edey grabs the mic, sets it down in front of him, and puts it on himself, even when it's easy to put it on him, how does it make that guy feel? I read a tweet this morning that said, leadership and i'm going to throw in best player i'm going to put in teammates i'm going to put in executives i believe it was have more of an influence on mental health than a therapist would in a lifetime something along those lines right not getting into a mental health episode i believe it's real I believe that we need to take care of ourselves. I believe we need to be able to have a support group and people around us that we can talk with that can bring us out of our slumps and our depression and our imposter syndrome and our negative thoughts and our limiting beliefs and our, I can't. But keep in mind, man, the best player, the executive, the sales lead, the engineering lead, the manager to sit there and say, I got you. And so you don't go home and carry that weight and that baggage with you there was a, a lesson or, a uh, uh, something I heard on a podcast or YouTube or something like that, but it was this idea of, man, everybody's got a backpack and we're carrying, you know, this, this stuff, this CrossFit stuff, this personal development stuff that I look at and, and kind of w- sit around and wish that were me. And I had that mindset and that determination and that discipline to go run and be a runner and, uh, get in shape and be committed to that. And, then I see these people putting these rucksacks on with weights and all this sort of stuff and just carrying that load, carrying that load. But the story that I heard was, man, you, everybody's got this backpack and maybe some of those backpacks are empty and it's light and I can walk and I can go and I can go for days and hours and not have the burden of my baggage, my losses, my depression, my mental, like whatever it is, Right. And there are some people that, man, every time there's something going on, it's a brick in the bag that we're just carrying that with. And we carry that brick for years, if not decades. For years, if not decades, that brick is in our backpack, my backpack. Until at some point, maybe it's the people you run with and roll with, the leadership you have, the spouse you have, whatever it is that you're able to take that brick out and put it somewhere. Do you not think that on a Tuesday morning with a game on Saturday that that young athlete is still thinking about that turnover and that that brick of turnover against Indiana at Indiana when we were ranked number one in the nation and I turned the ball over late is inscribed on a brick that it is still in his backpack? Or, if it is, or do you feel that there's a chance that that brick in that backpack is smaller. Maybe it's a stone. Maybe it's a grain of sand. Maybe it's not in there at all. And maybe it's in somebody's backpack that can carry that burden better than you, the best player, the head coach. Or maybe you have such an environment that we left that brick, that stone, we left it in Bloomington, Indiana. And we didn't even get it on the bus what time of type of culture do you have what type of team do you have what type of leadership do you have that is not a basketball sport story your people that work for you have backpacks and they have bricks in them and some of them are carrying bricks around of things at the home the things that work, the thing from previous jobs, the thing from relationships, the thing, and they bring that backpack to work every day. Wouldn't it be great if not only as a leader that you can take the bricks out and set them down somewhere, the side of the road, your own backpack as a leader for the things that are professionally going on lost sales, missed phone calls, wrong customers, wrong clients, not enough clients, not the right, not, not enough customers, bad software, recalls on software, whatever it might be, they're carrying that baggage, that, that brick is in their backpack. Why can't you as a leader help them set it down? Why as you as a leader can't you put it in your backpack? I'll carry it for you. Forget about it. I could have done better. I could have owned it. I could have mentored you. I could have trained better. I could have owned it better with you. I could have, when things got sideways and I knew they were getting sideways, I could have stepped in and helped more and better. So you don't carry that. But wouldn't it be great to stand up in front of your team and say, we don't carry these bricks. You don't, maybe different. You don't carry these bricks. We carry these bricks. Or I carry these bricks or we set those bricks down when they happen. So there's a lot that you could do there. There's a lot of ownership, but I know this. You don't carry the brick. I do or nobody does. How powerful would that be? So that really hit me this weekend. And it's a a lesson we shared with some young athletes and we played that clip for him yesterday and it may listen coaching coaching a group is a an interesting thing and i'm studying it more i'm thinking about it more you want to reach all you want to reach all but the reality is you're not going to reach all and let me say this i'm going to backtrack on that a little bit i think you will reach all If you're doing it right and your heart is right and your intent is good and the message is clear and you're rolling and you've got it, I think you will reach all. I think you'll reach all. But when do you reach all? I think as you lead your team, athletically, let's say, you're going to reach those kids. Some you will reach on February 8th or 9th, meaning two days from now. Some you may reach February 8th or 9th, 2033, 10 years from now. So you just plant the seed. You give them a perspective. You coach them up. You create that culture, that environment of improvement, of care, of love, right? We said this yesterday, and I don't apologize for any of this, right? Uh, and, and, and I shouldn't have to, and, it, and it, I don't even know why I would say that. Right. But we, we got after our, we had a really good workout yesterday. I felt right. And we kind of set, like, we got to raise our standards a little bit. We got to sh- rattle your cage a little bit. Like, and we didn't do it in a bad, you know, butt kicking way or anything. But the thing I told those, we things that we kind of said to those young athletes yesterday is, Hey, you are loved. You are loved. You are cared for. And we specifically said that because they were appreciating, not all, some, most, not all, most were appreciating the, hey, we're here to get you to your next level. It doesn't matter how much time is left in the year. We're here to get you to the next level, and we're going to push you. But in order for you to receive it, you need to know you're loved and cared for, and it's okay. Right. So that's a message that we had yesterday. So you've got to do that with your team. Like, you've got to do that with your team. Like, you've got to raise the level, the standard. You know, you've got to coach and lead them and making sure that they know that you care and, and love, love, have a love for them. Right. Um, so I wanted to hit on that. How, how much did that young athlete at Purdue on that bus ride home? And it's the same state. Um, They they rode the bus. Purdue and Indiana. Rivalry, two Indiana teams. Did he just sit there and say, man, this is the best place. We lost. I can own that. I left that brick in Bloomington. Do that for your teams. Do that for your teams. The second thing I wanted to touch on in, in our last 15 or so minutes is a conversation we had yesterday. And how this how this might impact your business, your teams, your leadership, your personal development, your coaching. How this might impact it. The and and this is my study of coaching, and things that I'm like working my way through. And I said this yesterday to a group. Elite coaching, and getting to that. Just think of a bell curve. I, I don't know how else to kind of say this. Think of a bell curve, and think of that. 80% middle that 80% middle with that big hump and everybody's at that 50% marker there's just a lot of people there then it starts to taper down as you roll towards 90%. But think about that first 10%. And just, you know, why are they there? Is your com- is your company there? Are you in that in terms of just I don't I you know I don't know what you want your X-axis or horizontal access to be right, just winning, elite program, culture, sales, customers, talent, recruiting, like whatever it is. But that beginning ten percent, if you're in that, like, like why are people in that world? You know, it's don't care, and you know we could have a whole podcast about how to get out of that ten percent. But then there's that middle ground, right? The hardest thing for coaches to do in any industry and in athletics is to get people to that are in that middle 80 middle 80 percent and let's say they're in that 80 percent they're hovering around that 60 70 80 percent mark the hardest thing to do as a coach is that when they practice when they work when they go through whatever they're going through that it works and that it's good and they're building this mindset of we're really good. We're really good. We we're beating 80% of the teams we play. We're 8 and 10. We're we're 8 and 2. We're 7 and 3 and we're that way all the time. And this works. The drills we do, how we practice, how we play games, how we do XY, that works. So your industry, sales, shoes, cars, software, movies, blah blah whatever it is. Man, we're in that world and this is great and it works for us and this is perfect. But then there's the coach that is sitting there saying, that works here. That works against that company. That works against that software company. That will work comp- like competing. You know, I heard a podcast yesterday. You're not, you're competing with yourself. I get all that, right? But you're sitting there going, That will work there. That will work with that client. That will work with that customer. That will work there, 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 there. That works. But that won't work there. That won't work. If we're doing what we're doing, we're going to go seven and three, eight and two every year because we're good, we're talented, our process is good, et cetera, et cetera. But that last 10%, that last 10% that you need as a company, that you need as an athletic team, that where is that? So when you are sitting there with your team and they make, and they're doing the 80% habits and you see the 80% habits and maybe they're just so stinking good that they're always around 80%, but their habits are 40 to 50 to 60%. And you're like, there it is. There it is. I just saw it. Right? Right? You know, plug in the meme of DiCaprio having a drink and then immediately jumping up and pointing like, there it is. There it is. That is the habit, the routine, the ritual, the behavior that stops us from getting to the last 10%. There it is. Insert DiCaprio meme. There it is. Do you let it slide? Do you tolerate it? Do you correct it? Are you adamant about it? That works against the 80%. That does not work for us to be elite and the best that we could possibly be. But coach, it works all the time. But coach, that, that sales call works. We got that customer. We got this. Well, we're also not getting the million-dollar listing if you're in, uh, in, in like a realtor. Like what I'm doing now, I'm getting $500,000 houses. And that's awesome. But you know what I'm not doing? There's a great book out. I don't have it here in front of me. I, and I, I think it's called Million Dollar Listing. And I have, I've watched the show a little bit because I read the book. This gentleman, uh, Big Money Energy. It's crazy the things I can remember. Big Money Energy. And then the, it's Million Dollar Listing. And this guy was running around. Selling two, three, four, I I don't even know because it was New York City. So I have no idea what what he started at. But he was, he wasn't selling what he wanted to sell. Yeah, what I'm doing right now gets me the 80%. And I could feel good about it. And he sat back in this book and said, big money energy. And it's the energy, it's thinking big, it's big money, big sailing, being bigger than you are being big, like being humble, being confident, but say, man, I'm a baller. But everything I'm doing now is the 80%. And he sat back and said he wanted to get on this show and he was auditioning to be on the million dollar listing show. And he was just going through, he went so big that he was um, borrowing cars and Ferraris and Rolls Royces to take people around that he didn't own, that he was crossing his fingers that, and he didn't know how to drive New York City, that he didn't get in an accident. He was staging apartments and running people by. He had his friends calling him on the phone during certain times of the day, so he looked busy. Hey, call me at these times. I need seven people to call me between two and three because I'm gonna be with so-and-so and I've gotta look busy. I've got to do more to get these listings. And all of a sudden I'm now selling $30 million properties in New York city, big money, energy, this 80% and the habits and routines and rituals I have get us here. But now I'm going to coach myself up or, and he was, I think, getting crushed by people that said he was a phony and fake and all that. And then he had some mentors that really pushed him through and he, and he had bigger dreams. How can we do that as an athletic program? How can you do that as a realtor? How can you do that as a software company? How can you do that? Like to put my friends on the spot. How do you do that at VMware? How do you do that at lifetime? How do you do that in a school district? That is okay with being okay. How do we make those changes? Well, you know what? I would never be a part of something that where people didn't want to be great. Like, What do you want? Hey, you know what? I'm just, this is good enough. This is good enough. Well, what's great in our industry? Google, Apple, Ford? Like, who is it? Who is in your industry? Berkshire Hathaway? Like, I don't even know. Like, I'm guessing, right? I see those signs everywhere. I'm not a realtor guy. Who is the best? What do they do? What are they able to accomplish? What are their wins? Sitting around saying, you know, the Celtics, the Lakers, the Patriots, the Packers, the Yankees, the Dodgers, those are brand household names. You know what? When I grew up in the state of Washington, I grew up right outside Seattle. And when I was a senior in high school, I am 49 years old, closing in on 50. And when I grew up in the state of Washington Seattle, I had never, ever, Heard of Gonzaga University ever. None of my friends applied there, thought about going there, didn't know where it was, et cetera. It's in the same state. It's in Spokane, Washington. Gonzaga, even if you may not be a sports fan, I bet you've probably heard of Gonzaga. And so all I'm saying is, tr- I am 49. 30 years ago. Oh, my word. 30 years ago, when I graduated high school, nobody knew about that place. And because of different leadership, catching lightning in a bottle in terms of talent, standards, a basketball program, winning, making a run in the NCAA tournament, in 1998, I believe Gonzaga had made a run to like an elite eight. Maybe earlier than that, a little bit earlier. And I remember being at the final four in San Antonio, Texas in 1998, having a drink somewhere. I was by myself. I was immersed in the coaching uh landscape in terms of trying to find employment and coaching and i enjoyed rubbing elbows with coaches and sitting there as a young coach in 1998 who's 25 years old and saying hey there's so-and-so there's so-and-so and And just kind of like that's you know that it's a cool thing hanging out in hotel lobby seeing who you, you can see and i remember sitting there having a drink and over in the corner is the new was an assistant coach for gonzaga Super humble, spent time with me. Nobody was around him. Nobody was around him. Nobody was coming up to talk to him. We sat and talked and had a drink together and talked basketball. We talked about the run Gonzaga's been on. We talked about some common friends that we had, but nobody came up to visit with him. 30 years later, everybody knows about Gonzaga. 30 years later, That coach and having a drink with him is a Hall of Fame coach, is now the head coach at Gonzaga, and is essentially the one responsible for their 30-year run. Why do I bring all of that up? Nobody knew about him. What if they just sat there and said, this is good enough. We'll make a run every once in a while in our league. Nobody knows about us. It's not that important. I had heard rumors that the school may even close. Instead of saying, with the right leadership, what's the best look like? Final Four National Championship, getting McDonald's All-Americans, having enrollment go through the roof because we're Gonzaga, building a Duke University on the West Coast in a small little town in Washington State, Spokane, Washington, that nobody knows about or knows where it's at to the point of Kentucky now having a home and home with Gonzaga, willing to go there and play in Spokane and Gonzaga going back to Lexington and playing there to getting the best players to having first round draft picks. If you can't sit there and carve out what great looks like and be committed to that as a program, And you're just going to sit there and have a staff and have players and have an organization and have salespeople and have realtors and have shoe salesmen and software building and personal trainers. It's just, let's just be good enough. As opposed to saying, how great can we be? And what does it look like? And what can we do today? And who, who can we model and mirror and replicate and research and study and brainstorm and get my bullet points to move us closer to that? How can we sit there and say, do you understand that Mark Few, the head coach at Gonzaga, who's sitting in a crowded lobby at the final four, having a drink by himself, and ends up talking to me, who, was, who was a no, is a nobody, just a dude, is now a Hall of Fame coach, and when his time is done, and he cashes in his chips at Gonzaga, as humble as he might be, when he's all by himself, sitting at his own, having a glass of bourbon in his house with his wife, and he's done that he sits there and looks at her and says, look what we did. Look at how we changed the school. Look at how we changed young men. Look at how we changed young women. Look at how we built up this athletic department to where now the women's basketball team at Gonzaga might be nationally ranked. Because it's Gonzaga. Why is it Gonzaga? Because of him. Because of leadership. Not all because of him. You could say it's all because of him, and that'd be all right. But he brought in the right people that shared that vision and shared, hey, this is what great is going to look like. This is how we're going to do it. I'm not sitting around here trying to knock it out of the park so I can get another job. I just don't want one year, a deep tournament run, to then position myself to get a job in the Big Ten. I'm going to make this Duke. I'm going to make this Carolina. And they've played for two national championships, or in the past five years, probably they haven't won it. And they're they're the they're at, now. I've had this. I've heard somebody say this. I had heard a school. I won't mention it. Not that a ton of people listen to this, but get fired as head coaches at universities because that they feel they should be gone. Be they should be Gonzaga. He ain't gonna be Gonzaga. You gonna fire people because they're not Gonzaga? You know how hard that is? And are you willing to get the right person in there and weather the storm and invest 30 years? Now, you also, I just say that you can't be Gonzaga. I'm sitting around saying, Gotta figure it out. I would sit there and say, We are Gonzaga. We we aren't now. Check on me in 30 years, check on me in 20 years. No matter what happens next October and November, when the preseason rankings come out 25, 30 years ago, Gonzaga was never on it. Next year, like clockwork now, they will be in the top 10. That's just the way it is. When you build a culture and environment and you decide that you're gonna be great, and you are committed to being great, and you get those people around you, and you figure out what great is, and you uh, don't settle for anything less. That is a lengthy basketball story, but it is not about athletics. Why would you ever sit around and say, Let's just crush it here once. Let's get one great release out the door. Let's just do this. Instead of saying, we are going to change the way that this company is viewed nationally. We are going to be up there with Google. We are going to be up there with Apple. We are going to be up there with Amazon. Okay. Like, yep. What did Gonzaga, now, now Gonzaga may have never said that but their systems, their process, their leadership, their language, their wins, their recruiting, all started to position themselves towards greatness. And then it just happened. And then it just happened. Selling cars, running a workout club, selling shoes, building software, making movies, selling houses. I have friends in the realtor business. And I would sit there if I were in that business and I think I would actually like that business. Man, I would be sitting around saying big money energy. Big money energy. Selling a $200,000 house is cool. But you know what? There's a $30 million mansion down the street. There's there's places in St. Louis in this town that have million dollar homes. And I'm that guy. I'm that gal. That is me. This school district, et cetera, is the best one around. Nobody sees it. Nobody realizes it just yet. And I'm going to be the one to have them realize it. It will be on me. And we will paint the vision. This software company just can't roll. It's a mess. We're not getting things done. There's recalls. There's bugs. There's an issue. There's the. we will be the best in 10 to 15 years. We will be a case study. There's a place up north in Bellingham, Washington, the other side of the state of from Spokane where Gonzaga is. And there's a company out there that was just treading water. Treading water. And they just built widgets. Little, small, little wood widgets. I don't even know what it was. Nothing that significant and they thought they had their shit together they thought they had it down they thought they were that good then they brought in somebody to evaluate them consult with them and tell them about their process they sat there and said this is going to be awesome we are going to be validated in everything that we're doing we are that good and when the evaluation and consulting engagement was over they sat there and said I have no idea how you get anything done and how you are making money. This is a disaster. And these people were floored. And they were just doing okay. They were making money. They were profitable. They were killing it, etc. Then they were humble enough to buy into the evaluation. And they started making these changes. Didn't make big wholesale changes to start, but made small surgical changes in over two years or a year, whatever it might've been, totally revamped their process, their leadership, their language, their team dynamics, the ownership of the entire operation, the layout of the floor design and the manufacturing plant. They changed it all to now. They are the industry leader in whatever they do. And if you want to go see how they work, You have to be a CEO or a, like a CTO. You have to be, you have to have a C in front of your title and you got to be a chief to go see them. And then it costs money to just tour their plant and have them discuss with you how they do business. And now they are the best, the industry leader. Is that you and your company? Can you do things better? Do you think you have it down? Are you sitting there saying we can chase this? We should be that. I think our company should be the best company in the world at what we do. I believe our company should be the best in the world at what we do. I believe the school district, that is close to me, should be the best school district in the state. I believe the young athletes that I work with on a daily basis should be the best basketball program in the state. If we're just sitting around with a narrative of, let's just be good enough. Let's just be good enough. We've got to figure out how even when we lose, we win. We lost the other night in an athletic event. And in many respects, not many, in a few respects, we lost. And in many respects, we lost and won. Because it's not just about one game. It's not just about one event. It's not just about one conference, one sales call or all that. But we're going to be Gonzaga. And you're going to take your losses to get to where you want to be. And you're going to take your beatings and you're going to lose clients and you're going to get shitty software and products out the door. You are. But if you have the end goal in mind and how this looks, that you're going to sell your widgets and people are going to come and watch how you work and you're going to be the best, you're going to take your losses. How do we get better? What did we do great? What action item? Like all that retro software retrospective stuff. Hey, I've gone over in time. I really got into this. and. um. I'm ready for the day. Let's go, right? I hope you have a great day. Listen, share this with people. Um, I'll post this on Instagram and um, on LinkedIn. Please reach out to me on LinkedIn. Just send me a note. That's the cost of this. Send me a note, like, comment, share, retweet, whatever. That's the only thing I ask of anybody, right? It helps build the show. Um, I had somebody in Kansas City reach out to me that I don't even know that, and I forget what they do. Right. But it and, it, and then I went to their website and I saw how they're doing it. And I saw the language they were using and I saw how they were interacting with their team and challenge. And it was all about development and their people and their the value that they could bring. I was like, man, this is amazing how people are leading their teams. And it was amazing to me that people like that, listen to this podcast and provide feedback to me. It was awesome. was awesome. So I appreciated that from that company in Kansas City. It uh, meant a lot to me. Listen, have a great day. Reach out to me. Let me know if there's anything we can do. uh, People are starting to reach out to me uh, about speaking to their groups and organizations and would love to be able to do that for you and your team or your company or your sales team or whatever it might be. And would love that opportunity. Have a great rest of your week. Thank you.